Welcome to Ride Over Stride, episode 52. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis, a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I'm here again today with Master Horseman Van Hargis. Hey there, Van. Hey there, Miss Laura. I hope everything is going well with you today. It is. How about you? Good. Couldn't ask for it to be better. I tell you, it's just wonderful. You know, Laura, I want to jump right into it today. You know, I've been a horseman ever since I was a little bitty. And uh, for those of you who don't know, I was I was born in Sulphur Springs, Texas, and I was raised in a little bitty town called Campbell, Texas, several years later. And um, while I was there, literally down the road from where we lived was our saddle maker by the name of Billy Cook. And Billy had been making saddles for people for God knows how long. And it's just an extremely well-known name as, as I was a kid growing up. So to me, I just thought it was almost like I had a celebrity living down the road from me. And, uh, and of course, some may know that uh, Mr. Cook's wife happened to be my very first paying customer at riding horses. And bless her heart, she took a big leap of faith on me because I had, up to that point, I just had a little experience of riding horses, but I had never trained one. I had no idea what I was doing. I just rode the heck out of it. But it, she was my first paying customer and was very, very grateful for that opportunity. And besides that, it was the wife of Billy Cook, you know, a, a world-renowned saddle manufacturer. Well, years later, I had an opportunity. A, a guy approached me and wanted to know if I would endorse their saddles. The problem was it wasn't a very reputable saddle company. I mean, not a bad saddle company. It was just they were just kind of known as producing pretty cheap saddles. I honestly just didn't want to say yes to the deal. And I told the guy, I said, you know, I really appreciate the offer, appreciate the opportunity, but gosh, you know, I was raised just right down the road from Billy Cook, and I, I should at least give him an opportunity to tell me, no, I'm not interested in doing a saddle with you. But I, uh, I, I took it upon myself to call him, and long story short, we designed a saddle. The very first saddle I ever designed was with Billy Cook, and it was called the Van Hargis All-Around Saddle. And i um, very excited about being able to do that with him. And over the years... Things have changed and things have progressed, and I still design saddles. And, and now we all, all of our saddles, all of our equipment are produced by a company called Rainsman, just an extremely reputable company. I'm very proud to be a part of them. But here's the dilemma, and here's what we're going to talk about today, Laura. Because I've designed a few saddles and had the opportunity to work with, I think, three very, very reputable saddle manufacturers over, over my career, and, and I've been sought out to answer questions regarding saddles, saddle fitting, and, and just get my opinion or to give my opinion on, on saddles. People assume I'm a saddle expert. And I got to tell you, I'm not really a saddle expert. It's, uh, I, I treat the saddles just like I do the bits and everything else. I try to keep it extremely simple. I don't study the saddle as much as I study the horse. And then my job for the saddle is just don't make my job any more difficult. In other words, be kind of neutral, be simple. Don't cause problems. Just kind of be a tool for me to use. And so with that, I like to try to let people understand that whenever we're thinking about purchasing a saddle and we, we hear a lot of hubbub from so-called experts out there that are talking a whole heck of a lot about saddle fit and custom-made saddles for your horse, 
I, I got to tell you, from my perspective, and I've been doing it since I was, you know, a long time. <laughs> um, I, sometimes I think people make it more difficult than it really has to be. When we really truly understand our horses and their confirmation, and then we truly understand saddles and the way they're made, there's very few exceptions to the to the existing rules. In other words, when people start asking me about saddle fitting and, and whether or not they need to get a special custom saddle built for their horse, I and especially if they've been advised to do so by an expert, I really want them to stop and take note of who that expert is and what's their motive for giving me this advice. Because mm-hmm. you see, with humans, we have to realize oftentimes there's these ulterior motives to why we do things. And, and if that guy's got something in the, if he's got a dog in the fight, he might be just trying to get you to answer those questions to kind of give his dog a better chance, so to speak. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's really, you know, speaking as a lay person, an amateur horse person, it's intimidating for me oh, yeah. to look at sal- saddles. I go into a tag store and you, you've talked about it with bits it's, and it's worse with bits and headstalls and stuff. But I mean, I walk into some tax stores and there are just, there's row after row of saddles on racks and I would not have the first clue how to, how to choose one. And I, other than, well, that one's pretty which I don't think probably should be the main, you know, main consideration. <laughs> but I, you know, so I, I, you know, I turn around and walk out the door without buying anything because I don't know where to start. So you bet. whatever suggestions you can offer would be short of my, my answer now would be give Van some money and have him go buy one for me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but short of that, I, I'm going to be real interested to hear what you say. Well, I, you know, it's funny you say that because I'll oftentimes have people send me a message going, I want to buy one of your saddles. Will you pick which one? And I'll, okay. And so I really appreciate people trusting me that much. It, it really means a lot to me that they do. But my always, my biggest concern is what if I pick out something that you don't like or something you don't want? But, but let's just cover a few things though that make that decision a little less overwhelming. And okay. some of the concerns, even if you're not going to buy a saddle, I want to I want to help people with some of their concerns of whether or not their saddle is being part of their horse's issues. And I'm going to tell you, 90% of the time, your saddle has nothing to do with your horse's issues. Now, granted, there's are those exceptions. I've seen horses being ridden with saddle trees that are broken, and especially roping or doing something that's high performance type stuff that causes a horse to move a whole heck of a lot with our saddle cinched on really, really tight, that the saddle could be because it is broken, it could be causing from very tough points and, and issues of soreness right at that very spot that the saddle's broken. So yes, there are situations that it could happen, but Laura, I've been riding horses for God knows how long. I've had every situation you could imagine come up, and out of all my years, I've only had one saddle tree break. And I'm telling you, I've done everything from roping big bulls and dragging them in trailers, had horses fall over. I made a mistake one time of trying to load a horse with a saddle on their back into a trailer that wasn't tall enough, and the horse jumped in and hit the saddle horn. I mean, I've done every stupid mistake that people can think of, and my saddles and my horses have survived from it. So I'm, I'm going to try to make some things pretty simple. Number one, let's, let's look at some things from a real simplistic perspective. Horses of various breeds may have slightly different builds, meaning that you might take an Arabian and their back might be a little bit more narrow. You might take a saddlebred. Their back might be a little bit more narrow, and it's specifically back up over their withers. And then there's uh, maybe the quarter horses, especially your old foundation type horses, that their withers are going to be a little bit more rounded, a little bit more broad right there. And uh, then you might take folks out there that really like to do trail riding and or dressage type work on uh, even horses that have some draft blood crossed into them. 
And if that's the case, you're even going to be looking at a horse that's wider still. So yes, there is a, a situation where horses have a different width across their withers, and that constitutes the size of the gullet that we need to have on our horses. But here's the biggest mistake that I see people make, and I see this all the time on the internet. Somebody's got a saddle, they want to sell it, and they put a tape measure down in front of the gullet area of the saddle, which is that area that sits right over the horse's withers, and they show the saddle already manufactured with a tape measure down there to show the, the viewers how wide the gullet is. There couldn't be anything more inaccurate than the whole entire world. Then, and the reason why is because when you put that tape measure there after the saddle's made, it's absolutely no indication whatsoever how wide or how narrow that gullet really is on the tree itself. And the tree is just like our horse training. The saddle itself is only going to be as good as the tree. Why? Because the tree is its foundation. So the only way you can measure saddle width, of, uh, you know, the, the, the angle and everything on the width of the saddle, that gullet area, is when it's bare and naked. It has to be a bare naked tree because everything else, the, the number of plies of leather they put on it, the type of padding they put on the bottom, whether it be sheep wool or, or felt or whatever they put on the bottom of the saddle, all of those things are going to mask exactly where the tree is underneath there. So, and in, in, in fact, it could actually reduce or, or increase the, the size that, that's going to actually be fitting onto your horses back there. So we've got to be very careful that we know what we're talking about when we're, when we're asking somebody, well, how wide is the saddle? Only the manufacturer is going to know that. Um, so you have to really be able to trust the manufacturer. If they tell you they've got a saddle that's X number inches wide or, or whatever the case may be. But I think Rainsman's done a really good job of, of simplifying that. They've got a medium or what they call a regular fit, and they've got a wide fit. The regular fit fits an absolutely tremendous array of horses because most horses today that are being kept up in the environments that we keep them up in have a very average set of withers. And so that medium type saddle is going to fit the vast majority of horses out there. And again, there are some exceptions, but most of the time the exceptions are horses that are wider. So if we do have a horse that's exceptionally wide, and there's the key word, that's exceptionally wide across the shoulders and across the withers, then I would go with a wide saddle. So we have regular and we have wide. But the other thing we have to take into consideration is the angle of that, of that gullet area. In other words, the angle of the bars, and the bars are those two boards, if you will, that kind of go down and straddle either side of the horse's spine. So the angle of those, and then what they call the twist of those. The twist is, is that the area that's over the horse's withers has a very specific angle, and then the area that sits over the horse's loins has a flatter angle. That change from the front being a very sharp angle to the back being a very flat angle, that change is called the twist. So it's very important that we understand that we're starting off with a saddle that has a very wide or regular gullet area, gullet width. And then the change from the front to the back, the twist, is going to be very, very similar on every saddle manufacturer out there that's building or that's buying their saddle trees from good quality tree manufacturers and good reputable companies. So that's hopefully will eliminate a little bit of the confusion that people will have about the gullet width and which is going to fit my horse or if I need to go get a saddle custom made. So what would be some of the things that we would need to consider then before we go get a saddle that's custom made? 
If your horse has some sort of deficiency in his wither area or he's got some atrophy in his wither area or in his upper shoulder area to where one shoulder is much more developed than the other or that one saddle or one shoulder is is much more atrophied than the other, then you might, might consider getting a custom-built saddle. But Laura, here's the biggest problem with custom-built saddles is that for example, up there in North Texas, have you guys had quite a bit of rain this spring? Yeah. Sure. And with the rain, we know that comes sunshine. And when sun, rain and sunshine, in other words, when the ground has the moisture and the sun begins to shine, what happens to our grasses? Grasses grow. And then our horses that are out on those grasses are going to gain weight. And then later on in the summer, later on in the fall, when we're not getting as much rain and we're not getting as much growth in our grasses, the horses don't have the buffet to eat from that they did before because most people are still feeding them during all this time. So the horses tend to do what? They tend to lose a little bit of weight. And if we understand where horses truly gain and lose weight, it's over their withers and over their buttocks area, and then the rest of their body shows signs of it after the fact. But those two areas, over their withers and over their buttocks area, is where horses generally show the weight gain the soonest. Well, sad thing is, is that where do we put our saddle? right there over the wither area where the horse gained all of his weight. So goodness gracious, your saddle just might not fit as good this spring as it did last fall. So do we need to go get a custom-built saddle made for him? Of course not. What we need to do is consider the fact that, yes, he may have gained a little bit of weight, so we're going to kind of get him to hold his breath a little bit and put that saddle on anyway, just like we would if it was a new pair of blue jeans, and we're going to squeeze into him no matter what. But the difference is with our saddles is, is that our saddle is going to fit the horse's back, even though he might be a little bit fatter. But what we can do to save ourselves the worry or the concern, whether or not we're causing harm to our horse or whether or not we need to go get a custom-built saddle, is perhaps we need to invest in some really good top-quality saddle pads of different widths. So in other words, in the spring, I might ride my horse, oh, maybe just a little bit thinner. In the fall or in the winter, I might want to ride my horse with a saddle pad that's a little bit thicker. In other words, a saddle pad is not going to make up for an ill-fitting saddle, but it will certainly enhance a saddle that already fits. So that's the type of stuff that I want people to, to realize and recognize that the most important thing you can do for your horse is just know whether or not he's average or if he's exceptionally narrow or exceptionally high-withered or if he's exceptionally flat-withered or exceptionally wide. Most of the horses that I ride are horses that are pretty darn average. And I ride horses, everything from horses that are right around two years of age, all the way to some horses that are much, much older and a lot of horses in between. So I can't afford, even as a trainer, I can't afford to go off and buy 15 different saddles to fit all these different types of horses. But over the years, I've learned to pay very close attention to who the saddle tree manufacturers are and that those trees are getting in the hands of some really good quality saddle manufacturers, and that my saddle is not going to be ill-fitting. It's probably going to fit the average horse out there. And then if I can, I will adjust my saddle pads up or down in thicknesses to better fit my horse. So I hope that kind of or answers a few questions for people just in regard to the saddle fitting part of the question. Well, yeah. And so do you, are there particular kinds of saddle pads that you recommend for making that? I, I, I get the point that you can't use a saddle pad to solve the problem of a, of a saddle that just totally doesn't fit, but that it could kind of 
adjust things to account for the horse gaining and losing weight and that sort of thing. I mean, saddle pads, to me, it's the same thing as saddles. There's lots of different ones, uh, different styles and different thicknesses. And, and does it matter what brand you use of those? No, I don't think that the brand matters as much as it does the quality of the workmanship and the, and the, and the material that's being used. I'm a big fan of using more natural fibers on, on our okay. horses. And when I say natural fibers, I want, I prefer wool and I prefer f- a good quality felt saddle pads that are made out of good wool. And the reason I like the felt is that number one, they last forever. I mean, not literally forever, but I mean, my goodness, I've got saddle pads. I hate to admit I've got saddle pads that are probably 10, 15 years of age, but we take good care of them and we hose them down, get the salt out of them. We brush them fairly regularly and we keep our saddle pads in pretty good shape. And as a result, we get a lot of use out of our saddle pads. What I like about felt also is, is that it does have a little bit of give, but it's not a lot of give. So it just allows my, my saddle, which is already going to fit my horse anyway, but it's going to allow that to kind of squish down into those areas that are maybe slightly different than one horse to the next. But for me, what I like to do is I like to try to, to kind of bounce back between saddle pads that range in thicknesses from, oh, maybe a half inch up to uh, just over an inch. And very rarely do I, do I go with anything any thicker than that. I mean, I, I just, I can't, if, if I've got that situation, then I probably do need to figure out something else to do with my horse because my saddle's just not going to fit him. If I've got to go put a saddle pad on there, that's going to make up that big of a difference. But I do like to use more natural type fibers. And there's so many really, really good quality saddle pads out there. And, and of course, I mentioned Rainsman a little while ago, but Rainsman does. They've been in this business for a long time. They've got some of the top people in the industry that are endorsing their products, and they get all of their ideas from us endorsers. They don't just go off and just haphazardly go build stuff and make stuff. What they do is they put a lot of thought in behind it, and the thoughts generally come from the ideas that are presented to them by us guys that are out there doing it every day for a living. Well, that's smart on their part, I guess. You bet. Well, let, me ask, let me ask this. You, so you talked about the kind of the principles of, of getting the right fitting saddle. Is it different for different kinds of saddles? I know there are different kinds of saddles depending on what discipline you're riding in. Does that make any difference in terms of fitting the saddle? I think so, because for example, a roping saddle is going to be built different and feel different and actually ride different than say a cutting saddle. A cutting saddle is going to feel different uh, than a barrel racing saddle. Or, or a saddle that's going to be a ranch saddle you're going to be in all day. Trail riding saddles today are built a lot for not only for the fit of the horse, but for the extreme comfort of the riders because riders are going to be in the saddle on a trail ride perhaps several hours or even multiple days in a row. So they, they, the saddles are going to fit slightly different and usually have more padding in the seats and uh, different, different types of stirrups that are going to be more comfortable. So what we need to think about next is, what am I really going to use my saddle for? What, what activities do I really enjoy? And what activities do I truly find myself doing more of? Do I find myself only going to barrel racings every weekend? Or do I find myself only going to team ropings and practicing team roping at home uh, a lot? Or do I find myself just doing ranch work day in and day out? Uh, so we really have to be very honest with ourselves about what we're going to be using our saddles for because that's, that's going to play a, a big role in the design of the saddle, the purpose of the saddle, and probably how many hours you're going to be in the saddle. So that's a, a thing to keep keenly in mind. And quite frankly, even it affects your posture to a certain degree. 
You know, a lot of cutting saddles, folks don't realize, but a lot of cutting saddles have very large seats by comparison. For example, when I was calf roping, I used a very small seat, like a 14-inch seat. And I'm a big guy. You know, I'm, I'm six foot, weigh right around 200 pounds. And I want a, uh, when I'm calf roping, I don't want to move around in that saddle very much. I want my saddle stirrups to be set back a little bit because everything I do in calf roping is, is at a dead run until we come to a stop and I bail out of that saddle. So everything that I do, I want that saddle to keep me very much in place because I'm only going to be in it for a very short period of time and I don't want to be slopping around in the saddle, so to speak. But yet at the same time, my, my cutting saddle might have a very big seat because the horse is doing a lot of stopping and going and I don't want my, my movement in the saddle to be so rigid that I get in the way of my horse while he's performing the tasks that, I've, that he's trained to perform. So we have to really consider what we're using the saddle for and, and to be very honest about that. Now, when you take somebody like myself, who I do a little bit of everything, I, I rope, I cut, I do ranch work for people, I ride my saddles every day. So there's two primary saddles that I use almost all the time, and they're both extremely versatile. One, in fact, is actually called the Ranch Horse Versatility Saddle or the Van Hargis Versatility Saddle. And the reason I like that one is because when I designed it, I designed it to have kind of multiple purposes, to be able to be comfortable enough that I could go ride in every day. But at the same time, to be strong enough that if I needed to go do some team roping or, or steer roping, or if I wanted to go help somebody doctor their cattle in the pasture, that that saddle could withstand that sort of physical pressure put against it. And then at the same time, because I'm kind of a ranch kid growing up, I kind of like that punchy look about it. But another saddle that's been very versatile to me has been my, my Colt starting saddle. It's got an extremely comfortable seat. The seat's a little bit smaller than my ranch horse versatility saddle because I don't want to be slopping around up there too much, moving around in the saddle much on a younger colt. My job on that younger horse is to be very much in place so that I can always be in a position to help the horse. So, to, But at the same time, I also wanted it to be versatile enough to be able to use whenever I'm not just starting a colt. I wanted to be able to use it all day, every day on the ranch or in the training process. To me, I think it's real important that we just think about the purposes of our saddle we're going to be using them for. And then that'll also give us a better idea as to uh, what we can do to make sure we fit the horse as well as fit ourselves. Well, and it narrows the, the field a little bit when you walk into a tax store that's got, you know, rows and rows of saddles. Um, you don't have to look at every one of them. If you know what you want to use it for, you only need to look at the saddles that are, uh, that are suitable for that purpose. And, and then from that, start making your choice in terms of fit and all those sort of things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, another thing too, we need to consider, there's a lot of really, really good manufacturers out there. And there's some that are pretty good, but extremely expensive. And then there's others that are kind of that middle of the road that kind of fit the vast majority of people out there looking for saddles. But at the same time, Laura, there's also a lot of saddles out there that are very poorly built, cheap material, cheap, done the labor aspect of it's done cheaply, not just really good workmanship. So when people are asking about, well, Man, what's a good saddle worth? I will tell them, buy a really good quality saddle. The better saddle that you can buy for yourself, built out of the really good material, the workmanship's really good. And be picky when you go look at the workmanship. Make, it, make sure that the tooling on it is correct and make sure that the stitching is correct. And in other words, just look at it as if you're buying a very expensive pair of shoes and you want to make sure that they're going to last you, you know, that they, or, or expensive pair of boots for that matter. You just want to make sure they're going to last. So you want to look for those good quality features and, and only, only anybody looking at it and touching it and feeling it can get a really good sense of that. 
or buy, make sure you're buying from a very good, reputable person and or uh, company so that you know that their judgment is really good. But you want to steer clear of the lesser expensive saddles. Nothing against those guys trying to make a buck, but it's just probably not going to last you. And the way I look at it is, Laura, like for example, I've still got today a saddle that I had long before I went off to college. And you know what? Whenever I was in college, I pretty much had to concentrate on school and I didn't get to ride hardly at all. In fact, my mom sold my two calf roping horses. So I was, during that time I was in school, I was without horse ownership. But you know what? That really good top quality saddle stayed in, in a good storage area and it didn't eat a dime while the whole time I was there. It didn't eat, it didn't drink, it just stayed there and waited on me. So a good quality saddle doesn't cost you anything to keep. Whereas if you've got a horse and you put it away, you still got to feed it. So what I tell people is that if you're going to buy something that you're going to put on your horse, and you're going to ride for a long time, even if you think you might go in and out of the business, still buy a really good quality saddle. Because even when you're not riding, it's going to keep well, it's still going to maintain its value, and it's not going to cost you anything to keep it. So to me, I think it's real important to take those things into consideration as well. And I realize that this could change over time if somebody's listening to this years from now. But as we sit here today in the spring of 2017, what's the range that a person might expect to pay for a quality saddle? Uh, so to, you know, I guess to set our criteria, we're talking uh, for this purpose, a Western saddle, not an English saddle a well-made one, but not necessarily all the bells and whistles in terms of lots of silver and fancy stuff, but just a good quality saddle for, for everyday use. What should people expect to, to pay for something like that? Well, there's a lot of variables, of course. For example, the, the tooling that you get on a saddle is a lot of man hours manually putting the tooling on the saddle, you know, those little designs that you see on it. That's, that's a consideration. So a lot of, a lot of that depends on how much extra bells and whistles that you want just for your specific look, you know, and and then the other thing is what can you afford? Uh, The other thing is to consider that sometimes the hardware alone, you know, there's uh, some really cheap saddles out there that have very poor hardware that's plated. For example, I recommend nothing but stainless steel or brass type uh, hardware because of the fact that it's, it's not going to corrode. It's not going to, to rust. Again, that affects the quality of the, or the, not the quality, but it affects the, the price of the saddle. But to answer your question, if you're going to look at, say, kind of a, a plain Jane kind of saddle, but still mm-hmm. built by a very good, reputable company, built out of really good quality material, probably on the low end, you're going to be looking at anywhere between eighteen dollars to $2,000. And then when you get one that's going to be, oh, have a few more bells and whistles on it, a little bit more tooling, some things that kind of set your saddle apart and make your saddle yours. You might spend, oh, say $3,000. Now, if you go get one that's custom built, you know, specifically for you, and you're going to pay one guy to, to build that saddle from start to finish, uh, those are what we call those custom made saddles. Those things are generally going to start around $3,000 and work their way up. And, and that's mainly because that's just one manpower's hours going into it. A mm. lot of the saddles that are being built at shops, for example, like at Rainsman, Somebody else builds the saddle tree and they ship it to Rainsman. And it's a phenomenal company. I love it because it's one of the few saddle trees out there that they'll guarantee their trees for a lifetime. Very few companies do that. So that tells you the quality and the confidence they have in the saddle tree. Well, then the leather they put on it is also phenomenally quality uh, leather. 
And then they have various workers at different stages that build different parts of the saddle. And the good part about that is now that guy kind of specializes in his area. So there's one guy that might specialize in, in putting ground seats on a saddle. There's another group of ladies over there or guys that are phenomenal at doing tooling. So they put all their skills together, just like we would at an assembly line somewhere. And eventually that saddle comes together. And all along the way, the tooling is inspected, the trees inspected, everything's inspected. So by the time it gets out and ready to ship, you can bet that thing has been inspected several different times. That, to me, ensures not only the quality and the art behind the workmanship, but it also uh, guarantees the quality that's going to walk out the door before it comes to you and you put it on your horse. So those are the things to consider when you're looking at those, those saddles that are made by very reputable companies and that aren't necessarily made by just one person. That one person may have a lot of pride in his work. Uh, I've seen guys that are just phenomenal at what they do, uh, but they're their own inspector. Whereas these other guys are doing really good quality work. They take a lot of pride in their work. I've met and talked to these people that do their jobs and they're, they're so proud of what they do, but their work is also being inspected prior to it going to that next stage and the next level. And I think that is so yeah. important. Uh, to the consumer well, to, to know that they're getting something that's really worth it. Yeah. And I guess I just asked for a, a, an idea of pricing for, for people to be thinking about uh, that as an investment in your, your comfort, your horse's comfort and, and all of that, that that may seem like a lot of money, but if you buy something that's good quality, it's going to last. And of course, if you take care of it, but it's going to last. And whereas you go out and, and I guess if somebody is selling you a saddle for $500, you, you sort of get what you pay for and you may end up <laughs> replacing that one pretty quickly. So I just to give, I, I guess I asked the question to give people an opportunity to, to think about, you know, how much money they need to save up to get something really worth having and, and something they can be proud of. You bet. And Laura, you know, you, you and I have talked before about bits and different things like that. And anybody that's ever been to one of my clinics or one of my horse expos, they can vouch for the fact that I do not push my own products. I really don't. I mean, I love the fact that I've had the opportunity to, to work with companies like Rainsman and some other companies in the past to where they, they trust my opinion and, and give me an opportunity to design the saddles and, and stand behind the quality that they make. But I tell people all the time that I'd it's not about you buying my saddle. It's not about you buying my bit. I want people to buy saddles and bits that, that they feel comfortable with and that they really, really like. But at the same time, just know what you're getting. And I'm saying that yeah. to say this, that if you have a question or a concern about your saddle or about your bit, and of course, since we're talking about saddles today, more specifically about your saddle, your saddle fit, what saddle you think you should use or whatever, feel free to contact me and I promise I'll give you a very, very honest answer and not just try to put you into one of my saddles. Okay. There's an invitation for people listening. You should take him up on that because I know he means it. You can email your questions to info at vanhargis.com if you've got a saddle saddle question. Send him a picture of your horse or something <laughs> to, so he can there you help go, right. assess it. Or you can post your questions and comments on the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page. And if you're not already following the page, I encourage you to, to go there, look for Van Hargis Horsemanship on Facebook and like the page, join the page, whatever, so that you can not only ask questions, but also be kept posted on, on what Van's up to, because he's always up to something. Um, always and, up to something, uh, yeah. Always up to something. And, and uh, I don't want to make this episode run too long, so I'm not going to go through all the 
the stuff you're up to in terms of your schedule, but I do encourage people to visit the website at vanhargis.com and check out Van's schedule, see where he's going to be this summer and into the fall. Uh, Lots of exciting events that are coming up, clinics and expos and different things like that, places where you can see Van in person. And if you attend one of these events where Van is presenting or speaking or whatever, be sure you hang around and come find him after he's done and say hi, because he likes to hear from people who listen to Ride Every Stride. Am I right or am I right? You are right, Laura. Hey, you know what? What else too? For those of you who are thinking about it, every time we do a clinic, we almost always do uh, a, a whole big thing on saddles and saddle fitting. So the best way to get us to kind of give you your give you an idea of what we can do with your saddles or that sort of thing. Bring your horse to a clinic and then join us and we'll look and assess you, your horse, and your saddle. How's that for an invitation, Laura? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, he really really does like to help people with those sorts of things. And the best way to do it is in person. So all the more reason to check out his schedule, see where he's going to be, and if he's going to be in your neighborhood, attend the event and I guess bring your horse along and you'll get a little little inspection done while you're there. Uh, and if he's not going to be in your area, sign up or, or go to the website again. There's a tab there for clinics and, and the sorts of things that he does. And you can find out more about how you could maybe host a clinic in your area at your barn or at, at a barn near you. It's pretty easy. They do all the heavy lifting for you. And so then if you have any questions after visiting the website, you can email those questions to info at vanhargis.com. What am I missing, Van? Any, any? I can't think of a thing, Laura. You cover it always so well. And, and you know what? I'm going to kind of give you a thing here. We always get lots of comments about the co-host. And, they, and so I just want you to know our listeners out there just love you to death. So <laughs> I... I with that said, I just want to say thank you so much for, for all you do to make the make the podcast what it is and really appreciate that. And of course, neither one of us would be worth a darn without our producer, John. Oh, yeah. And we would be talking to nothing if it wasn't for our listeners. So I want to say a big thank you to all the listeners and encourage them to continue to listen, reach out to us and let us know how we can help them. Let us know what you'd like for us to talk about and discuss on the podcast. We're, we're always looking for ideas. And most importantly, we want to talk about the the topics and the things that are of interest to you guys. So please send in your your information, everything else to us. So with that said, Laura, I just want to encourage everybody again to uh, have fun, enjoy what they do. And remember that it's your ride, it's your trail, it's your journey. So ride every stride. <laughs>